And open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. We're going to begin one last series. This will be, uh, the future is as bright as the promises of God. You're looking at different texts from Acts and some other places. In Acts chapter 14, verse 19, and this is the Word of God. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and went on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had, spoke the word, had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, uh, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the, a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. And then join me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we're so glad this morning that we have your word and that it is certain and it is true. So, Father, from that word, help us as we consider, Father, uh, the church, which you've called the church to be, what you've done through the church for the sake of your name. Uh, uh, so help us by your spirit uh, to apply it, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, it's a hot July Saturday. You're out on the porch and deciding what the family is going to do that afternoon, uh, and you're thinking about getting everybody together for a game of baseball. But you don't have to worry about going and finding your baseball gloves because they've not been invented yet. So maybe uh, you just talk. What do you talk about? You could talk about sports, but you wouldn't talk about the Kentucky Derby because it won't be run for another year. You could talk about that new game that's just arrived in the United States. It's called tennis. seems to be the new rage. If you talk about literature, you wouldn't talk about Tom Sawyer because that's not written for another two years. Uh, you'll not talk about what light bulbs to buy, the watts or LCD, because, well, they haven't invented them yet. Uh, you won't get interrupted by the telephone, because there is no telephone. This guy named Bell's working on that, but he hadn't quite got the voice traveling over the wire just yet. So what year is it? I mean, it's immense. The country's in the midst of a, of a depression. Money is really, really tight. The nation's first zoo has opened in Philadelphia. They've just started selling postcards that you can write on and mail for a penny. Uh, there's two new hit songs that everybody seems to be singing, Give Me That Old Time Religion, and She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain. Um, that's a great song still. Um, and if you're listening on the, on the adults' front porch conversation, they're likely talking about President Grant uh, here in Georgia, Governor Smith, or maybe that, that grasshopper invasion that they've heard about taking place in Kansas. So what year is it? Well, by now you know it's 1874. I'm sure you knew all that. Uh, 
And last Sunday, Chestnut Mount Christian Church held its first worship service after planning had begun the previous September. And so you could talk about your hopes for this new church, that the future was as bright as the promises of God. And indeed, it did have a bright future. This July marks the completion of CMPC's 149th year of ministry. Uh, it's a milestone not many churches reach. Uh, so why is Chestnut Mount Christian Church able to celebrate 149 years of ministry? Well, the short answer, of course, is, is, is God's faithfulness. It's the good hand of God's providence on us. A longer answer would include that the Holy Spirit has kept the ministry going for all these years through the involvement of the many people that he has made to be a part of this ministry, people with whom he impacts this community and, in fact, this world. Now, looking back, what are some of the keys that God has used to work here? And what remains important as we go forward, uh, optimistic that the words of the famed missionary, Adonai Judson, uh, our nation's first global missionary, are still true, that the future is as bright as the promises of God. So to guide our thinking, let's look at Luke's summary paragraph that describes the end of Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey and the return home. And we're going to see ten things from the text that are significant for us to look, uh, look back on and anticipate the future. So a ten-point sermon. Don't get too nervous, all right? Um, now, the context tells us why this is important. The preceding verses in Acts confront us with the reality uh, that our, of what our study of Revelation confirms. The mission God gives the church produces opposition from the world. And so we read uh, in verses 19 and 20, But Jews came from Antioch, that's Pisidian Antioch, and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. When the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. So the question why didn't Paul die? Now, the answer is not so profound. It's because God was not finished with him yet. He's ready for a new beginning. And, and, and nobody here is going to die uh, until we have completed what God has intended us to do on this earth. And nobody is going to live one second longer than when we have completed what God's intended for us to do on this earth. Uh, in the same way, uh, our 149 years as a church, that's not an ending for the church, by God's grace. We do believe God will continue to use this church for many years to come, perhaps even until King Jesus returns. So with the reality that Jesus wants to do uh, more through us by the power of the Holy Spirit to advance his kingdom, let's look at 10 things we can glean from this text uh, that will keep CMC's ministry on target. So let's go to the text and see. First, keep a heart to reach people with the gospel. Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. So Luke's summary of his ministry in Derby is, is really very brief. Um, and uh, we're told they, they preached the gospel. We're told that large numbers came to Christ to believe the good news. Now, that had to be an encouragement after Lystra. 
You see, they, they knew how, how fickle people are. In Lystra, they'd learned that the crowd could be hanging on your every word one day and hurling stones at you the next day. But that did not stop them from what they understood their mission to be. That did not change their heart for people. Friends, the greatest urgency the world has is the proclamation of the gospel. That people must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Such belief, such faith uh, comes from hearing the word of God. In reality, everything becomes a backdrop to that. Everything is the scenery on the stage and the gospel is the drama of life. What's happening to the, to the Uyghur people today at the hand of the communist leadership in China is a great tragedy. The greater tragedy is that they don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And they're dying miserable deaths without ever placing their trust in Jesus Christ of whom they've never heard. And they're entering into a hopeless eternity. Now, no matter what the future challenges are we face as a church, we've got to remember that the gospel is the main thing because the gospel is the eternal thing. Uh, the eternal destiny of every single human being here and around the world hinges on what they do with the gospel. We must believe it for ourselves and we must share it with others. There's no higher priority if we are to truly glorify God. For as we sang, there's no other name given under heaven by which people must be saved. We must be willing and bold to insist that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Some of you are old enough to remember a guy named Lee I. Coker. He was the chairman of Chrysler Corporation. He, remember, he used to make car advertisements featuring himself. Um, in one, of those, in one of those advertisements, he found him, he shot on an elevator with a man uh, who tells him, Mr. Iacocca, I want to tell you how much I enjoy all your Chrysler car commercials. And Iacocca responded this way, Sir, I could care less what you think of my commercial. What I want to know is what kind of car do you drive? Given that some of you have never heard of a Christ story, you know the answer is not many. Um, so, uh, but Iacocca's main concern uh, was the main issue, selling cars. He didn't really care what they thought about the messenger or even how the message was put. Did the man believe the message and did he act on it? You know, we're not to be concerned about what people think about us. Our great concern needs to be, have they met Jesus? Have they believed the message and acted on it? Uh, to believe it, they've got to hear it. And that's why Jesus wants us to be and send his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Second thing is to be committed to discipleship. Verse 21, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthened the souls of the disciples, Encouraging them to continue in the faith. So Paul and Barnabas revisit the very cities where they were hated and persecuted. Uh, and why take that risk? Well, they went back to strengthen and encourage the people in their new relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. The very fact that Paul and Barnabas went back to the same cities 
they were thrown out shows their courage. And it really increases their credibility. They focus on their work as the work of God in people's lives. Now, to use the term discipleship, following the model of Jesus, we're to spiritually invest our lives in other people. So they'll in turn invest in others who will in turn invest in others. So that we all become more like Jesus Christ. That's the focus of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, Jesus said. Paul and Barnabas do not have a long time to spend in each city here due to the nature of their ministry. But they know it's time well spent as they invest in others. Luke again gives very precious few details. But when we read Paul's letters, we get, we get a better flavor of, of what this was like. Friends, discipleship is a, is a broad investment in people's lives. It starts with family devotion, with worship, with preaching, with Sunday school. Then it moves into small groups and one-on-one, life-on-life relationships as we disciple the flock. The third thing we must understand is that persecution is real. And saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. I'm not going to say a lot about this as we've just been looking at this in Revelation. Uh, but persecution is the norm for Christians. Uh, and our day's coming soon as even as it's already come to Canada. When God called Paul to himself, God said that Paul would suffer much for the name of Christ. Never ever get to think we're going to be immune to these things. Uh, Paul challenges us directly, endure hardship. He said to Timothy, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so again, we know that Christians there are suffering in, in, in Iraq and in Nigeria and Iran, China, North Korea. Persecution is more widespread today than ever. The world by, by and large just ignores it. And so we've got to pray for the persecuted church and not be surprised at what's happening there that will soon happen here. Fourth thing is we've got to keep our destination in view, and that's the kingdom of God. Note again, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Missionary pilot Frank Drown led the search and rescue team for Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and the others that were uh, speared to death when they tried to take the gospel of, at the beginning to the Alk Indians there in Ecuador in 1956. Frank pointed out that the missionaries had guns with them, but they said we would never use those guns to kill Alkas, even if they attacked them because, because they made this strong statement. They're not ready for heaven, and we are. You know, we're not destined to try and achieve earthly glory and security. Our destination is the new Jerusalem. Uh, another really silly commercial uh, helps us see about that. There was a, a woman on Christmas morning who wakes up to find a full-sized luxury uh, Lexus SUV in her living room. And, uh, and, the, and the, if you remember that commercial, the vehicle's topped with this giant, perfect red bow. And she turns to her husband and she says in astonishment to him, uh, where did you get a bow that big? <laughs> now, 
I'm sorry, she has an SUV in her living room. And she's, she's transfixed by a bow. Uh, a decoration has distracted her from the real mystery. What is an SUV doing in her living room? Is it possible that we get distracted by the big bows of life so that sometimes we lose sight of the kingdom of God? Already as believers, we're members of the kingdom. Not yet we've experienced the fullness of that kingdom. And so we pray, thy kingdom come in all its fullness. So we need to ask ourselves, you know, what's important for the kingdom? What in our lives is of eternal significance? And those are things that should shape the way we live. The fifth thing is godly leadership. Verse 23. When they appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The key to lasting ministry in all these cities is the organizing of a church with godly leaders. The significance of leadership is this. People will follow people who lead by serving. The leaders in any church should be those who serve. Paul says it's good to aspire to leadership. He calls that a good thing. And we do it by serving others. Leadership is not loudness. It's love. If people come to church to serve, rather than to be served, friends, they'll rarely be disappointed. If Jesus and others are first, and you're last, then the old song is correct. Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Now, people often ask me, how can you be the pastor of a church for 36 years? Um, uh, certainly, answer number one, God's grace, all right? But let me tell you, the significant part of the answer is the elders and the deacons, uh, the leadership of the church. The godly leadership that this church has uh, elected across 149 years makes all the difference. God has blessed this church with godly leadership. Six is a church, take time to fast and pray. Note that's what Paul acted with prayer and fasting. Friends, there's no substitute for prayer. Fasting is a great aid to that. Uh, years back, I, I read about it. It was in Africa where Christianity was spreading and, and converts were very zealous for their daily devotions. Uh, and they would find their own spot out in the brush where they could go and, and be alone um, and uh, daily and pray. And after a while, those spots... Uh, began to, to be well-worn, and they had a path uh, worn to go to their, their places. They were created. And so in one sense, your prayer life became a, a very public thing. Um, and if someone began to neglect their devotional life, it would be noticed by others, and believers would generally and gently remind them, you know, that the grass uh, grows on your path. Uh, none of us should let that happen to us as individuals or as a church collectively. Prayer must be as common and as essential as breathing. That's one of our, our, our core values as a church. Seventh, as a church, we need to remember where we came from. Verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they'd spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they'd been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. What a journey. In Paul and Barnabas have been beaten, loved, called gods, they've served, 
They've won many to Christ. And now they go home. Now they go back to the people who love them, no matter how successful they are in life. They went back to where they came from. It's the wonder, part of the wonder of, of, of one's home church. Becky and I had an odd experience. Went back to Western a few years back. Was we had to decide where to go to church. See, my home church burned down, and Becky's closed down, um, and um, and so we didn't didn't have home churches to go to. And um, we did find some of our long term time friends at a Covenant Presbyterian Church there. It was a joy to worship them with them, but it still was not home. Uh, and as Dorothy said to the wizard, what? There's no place like home. When Sam Rayburn was Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, uh, he learned he had terminal cancer. And uh, here's a powerful politician, and he shocked everybody. He announced he, he was going back to his small town of, of Bonham, Texas. People said to him, you know, we had, we had the finest medical facilities here in, in Washington, D.C. Why would you go back to that little town? And his response really speaks to the priceless importance of community. He said, because in Bonham, Texas, they know if you're sick, and they know when you die, and they care. You know, remember where we came from. What seems to be to be home where we will always find love because this is the place we find community. And with that, the eighth thing is be accountable. Verse 27, arriving there, they gathered the church together and repeated all that God had done through them, how he'd opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Or they completed the task they'd been assigned by the church. It had been difficult, but God had used them to do what he'd called them to do. The church, the people who had prayed for them and sent them out, was eager to hear what God did. So they came and they gave a, an account of the ministry entrusted to them. You know, what a delight when we hear what God's doing in and through the lives of people, our own especially. And during Sunday evenings in August, we get to hear firsthand from our adults and young people who will be sharing what God did in and through them on the mission journeys they went on this summer. And for those of you who have taught them in Sunday school, uh, in children's church, BBS uh, on Wednesday nights. You've kept them perhaps in the nursery. You've prayed with them. You've prayed for them. You've encouraged them when you've seen them in the hallways. Um, I can tell you what an encouragement these reports are when we hear what God's doing um, in their lives. I can't urge you strongly enough to be here. This is part of keeping accountable to one another. We send them out. Lay hands on them and send them out. They're accountable to report to us on the ministry God has given us. And I would say our obligation is just as strong to come and hear what they have to say in their report. The ninth key for us as a church is to see the hand of God in our lives. Listen again to verse 27. Arriving there, they gathered the church together, reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. One of my Bible heroes is Ezra. And he constantly remarks about how the good hand of God was upon him. Like, like Barnabas and Paul seeing how God was moving among the Gentiles through their ministry, uh, Ezra saw the big picture of what God's doing. 
And there is value at times in stepping back and looking at our lives and seeing how God is at work directing us to see what God is doing, see the big picture. Indeed, to see the, the season of life that God's leading us through or, or perhaps changing. Like a bundle of yarns, life sometimes seems like a collection of, of just chance encounters, uh, jumbled experiences, and disconnected relationships. But then you see some of the, the beautiful Afghans like our Caring Hands Ministry made. Um, and, uh, and, and you can see uh, it's the same yarn, whether it's in that bundle or it's in that Afghan. The difference is the intentionality and the connectedness of the yarn and the afghan. A woman lovingly uh, used knitting needles to craft beauty and order out of disorder. They offered to show me how, but I just couldn't get it. All right? Um, but God uses people. The Holy Spirit works circumstances of life as knitting needles to create a store in each one of us. And we all should view our lives as, as beautiful and purposeful in God's hands. And then God takes our separate lives and he weaves them together as the church. Never get caught up in thinking any of our roles in life are unimportant. Always remember that God's hand's at work. And he's opening doors seen and unseen for the gospel all the time. Then finally, tenth, I told you not to panic, we'd get here, all right? As a church, it is be devoted to fellowship. Verse 28, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. The missionary journey of Paul I one lasted somewhere between one and three years. We, we, it's hard to tell, as Luke tells the story. Um, then this verse describes probably at least three years in their lives. This is what Paul and Barnabas did for three years. Nothing spectacular. They just spent time with the people in Antioch, with the church. You know, a study a few years ago of adolescents found that, that 33% of adolescents ate two or fewer meals with all or most of their family the previous week. And then 26% ate seven or more meals with their family. The researchers determined the adolescents who ate more meals with their family uh, had significantly lower rates of, of, of alcohol and drug abuse. They made better grades, and they struggled less with depression and suicide. And the church is our family. So we love to eat together. What a great time it was Wednesday night uh, as we ate together here. Come back for a hot dog tonight. Um, Mary Nelson says, the church is the glue that keeps us together when we disagree. It's the gasoline that keeps us going through the tough times. And it's the guts that enables us to take risk when we need to. A guy named Mark Horowitz is convinced that everyone needs somebody. Now, what convinced him? He was working on a, a photo shoot as a photographer for a crate and barrel catalog. In one of the photos, there was a, a whiteboard. Uh, and so it was just plain. So he wrote his cell phone number on the whiteboard, and then took the pictures. And so when the catalog was published, he got thousands of dinner invitations from total strangers who copied his number 
out of that catalog. And so he turned that into a project. He, he contacted people. He went on a road trip uh, having dinner with any caller who wanted. So he said he got a, 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 a mean lasagna here in Georgia. Maybe one of you all did that. I don't know. Uh, coffee in Wisconsin, a Shabbat uh, dinner in Maryland. All with complete strangers. He concluded a lot of people are lonely and they just want to talk to somebody. To reach out and connect with somebody. For its fellowship has to be a priority for us as a church. So what about us? What's the difference between a birthday party for a church and a birthday party for an individual? This isn't a joke, by the way, okay? Um, But the answer is this. At a birthday party for an individual, the honored person blows out the candles on the cake. At a birthday party for the church, we would never blow out the candles. Why? We are to be the light of the world. All right? That's the difference. These ten things are key for God to continue to use CMPC to keep our light shining. And we haven't looked at anything that's, that's new or incredibly profound. In fact, just the opposite. But ten key realities we need to keep in mind to advance the agenda of Jesus, to extend the kingdom of God in Chestnut Mountain in the world. Now, if you're not yet a believer and you want a future that's as bright as the promises of God, we'd love to share with you today how you can receive God's gift of eternal life and become part of His family. Um, And as a church, one thing should be clear to us today. God's not finished with Chestnut Mount Presbyterian Church just yet. How do we know? We're still here, all right? We're still here. We wouldn't be here, all right? We're still here. And so we give... Thanks to God for the last 149 years, and we look forward to what God has in store until Jesus returns. Friends, the future is as bright as the promises of God, and to God be the glory. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you for your faithfulness to this body of believers, your family here, your faithfulness across 149 years, which is truly remarkable, and we thank you. Father, we pray that as we move forward, that, Father, uh, we'll keep in mind what your word has for us, Lord, the, the, the wonder of eternal life that we need to proclaim. Father, the role we have as a church to do that. So, Father, keep us on task, we pray. Uh, Father, thankful for what you have done. And, Father, for anybody here that doesn't yet know the joy of knowing Jesus, Father, today, show them your son, show them the cross. Draw them to him, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.